welcome to The Bookish Life. I'm Sarah. And I'm Phil. We're back, Sarah. We're back on our regularly scheduled Thursday recording Oh my gosh, it's been like nine days because we had to start early last time. I know, you'd think I'd have a lot more read, but I do not. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still knee-deep in Herman Melville and Lewis Mumford, so. Oh well, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Bear with us, dear listeners, as we uh, slowly move through our readings. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Those six people now don't care. (laughs) Did we lose one? I thought we were at seven. Oh, well. I think maybe I was one of the seven. We're right-sizing our (laughs) podcast. Great. Anyway, thanks to the six of you who listen. What are we talking about this week? Well, I want to talk about a book of short stories by Morgan Talty, Mm -hmm. Night of the Living Res. Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to be one of my Sims and Stories picks, Mm -hmm. but I thought as we're sort of nearing the end of summer and moving into fall, I feel like short stories... Mm-hmm. are a summer read yeah. for me. Yes. They're good because mm-hmm. they're shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're busy and on the go, it's sort of a quick way to get some reading in without feeling right that you have to overcommit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as daunting. You can yeah. finish one, you know, every day. But these like, are all connected. Okay. Um, so now, are we talking about Native American stuff? I see a Tommy sure, Orange blurb yeah, and I blurb. see the word res. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... This is a story of, um, you know, I think his name is David. Now that I sit down to say mm-hmm. that, you know, um, he's telling the story, so you don't always see his name. But yes, um, and it's all the way, you know, it kind of, it, it's not linear. Stories are kind of told mm-hmm. throughout, but these are stories that take place on the res, and this one is in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me find the tribe. I can't remember what the tribe is either. Sorry. I'll find it, but um, it's just um, a kind of beautiful is not the right word. Elegant? Maybe. Um, is he an elegant writer? He's a very good writer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if elegant's the right word either. Mm-hmm. This is good podcasting. Visual. Yeah, right. If you could see me, yes. you would understand. Yeah. You know? um, he can paint a really good picture. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's not always a pretty picture, mm-hmm. um, but it's raw. Mm-hmm. I would call it uh, genuine, um, and and even like um, even in some of the darkness, some of the stories he tells, like you know, most of the characters we see here are going to the methadone clinic. Yes, you know, yeah. Um, there are issues with um, with healthcare. There's mm-hmm. issues with um, education. There are issues with poverty. It's just poverty. poverty. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, poverty. Yeah. All of that. And is there magical realism in this, or no, is it just straight? No, it's like very straight, um, cut and dry. Mm-hmm. This, these are the stories of our mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's a lot of really funny parts mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Kind of maybe that dark yep. humor. Yep. Kind of scattered yep. throughout. Um, but it is. It's, you know, the story of his family, his sister, mm-hmm. um, and kind of her mm-hmm. addictions and, mm-hmm. and sort of how she overcomes those or tries to. We see his mother and her mm-hmm. her role in all of these phases of their life, um, even mm-hmm. yeah. to the end. Um, so um, it's just a beautifully done look at um, a culture that we don't always get the insight into. So th- we could talk about this for a minute. Okay. I don't know how you feel about it. So I was in a, an African-American-owned bookshop mm-hmm. on this weekend in Oklahoma City. And anyway, that's a different story. But What was it called? Give him a shout out. <sighs> Maybe they have people that listen to podcasts. It was the word, well, it was the word, it was the Natty 
I can't remember the full name of the okay. film. Anyway, I brought you a card. Okay. Oh, just as an aside. Uh, but um, anyway, and I like to read what I've found if I want to understand another experience. So like, you know, the African-American experience, the Native American experience. I like, I prefer fiction to nonfiction. Mm. Like I think fiction's better. Uh, in terms of trying to understand the experience. I find a lot of the nonfiction stuff either gets bogged down in like axe grinding, which Mm -hmm. is understandable, but also has diminishing returns on me personally as a reader. Sure. Um, Or gets bogged down in statistics, Mm -hmm. which again is important to know, but has significant diminishing returns for Mm -hmm. me. And when I can read really well-written fiction, about an experience that I can't ever have myself yeah. uh, by a good writer, um, I find it easier for me to kind of get into, okay, this is this is how these systemic issues play out in the lives of a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not a real person. Even though it's not That's a real right. person. I 100% agree with you about that. And I think it's that whole idea of, how fiction builds mm-hmm. empathy yes. for us because we care yep. about these characters and we care about the choices mm-hmm. they make. Mm-hmm. And and, and a good writer makes mm-hmm. you care about them. Sure. And like thinking about Native American stuff, the book I read not that long ago, that um, I can't remember if you read it or not, The Only Good Indian. Oh, love that. Which yeah. is brilliant. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a, Grand yeah, it's basically a horror novel mm-hmm. set on a Native American reservation, but so good mm-hmm. at capturing the situation. You know, the most famous I think is probably Sherman Alexie mm-hmm. of Native writers. Uh, who use fiction to capture life on the reservation or the yeah. American Native American experience? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff out there. I think oh. for people in yeah. fiction, and even if you—that's the beauty of it. You don't have to be an activist no. to enjoy these types of no. books. They are good books, and they're going to give you an insight that you wouldn't have had mm-hmm. if you just, you know. Stay and, and an insight, but also you'll see yourself in these characters mm-hmm. too. Um, it's not like it's so far away from from our own lives, right? right. Um, which I think is is quite nice mm-hmm. as well. But mm-hmm. um, well, certainly methadone and education and healthcare issues. A lot of Fort Smith can sure uh, relate to that. Relate to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, Phil. And, uh, don't look at me like that. <laughs> But it's a great book, um, and I can't wait to um, talk about it more mm-hmm. at our Simpson Stories event this month of September. I can't mm-hmm. believe it's September 1st. It's crazy. How did this happen, Sarah? I don't know. But I'll also read a passage from this later whenever okay. we, whenever you talk after you're finished with your book. Well, I want to talk about something. So I'm reading a book by, uh, I can't remember, Sachs is the mm-hmm. guy's Aaron last name, Aaron Sachs, called Up From the Depths about Herman Melville and Lois Mumford. I'm not finished with it. It also defies easy synopsis and the last time we uh spoke i gave you a little melville paraphrase anyway so i don't want to talk about that what i want to talk about uh and i can do this because none of them will be listening to this podcast is uh, a book that i have to read for a group that i'm in and it was recommended by some people in the group on leadership and it's by edward friedman uh and it's called a failure of nerve and so i started this book this morning and Sarah, I'm so angry. Already? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, um, several problems with this particular selection. One, uh, Friedman died in 1996. I personally, uh, having experienced like various different types of leadership books or kind of books on culture or life uh, that I read as a pastor, 
I don't think any book is relevant that was written before Google started mm -hmm. in 1998. So it's like you're describing a world. He's describing a world that no longer exists. And I, and I don't know from a leadership perspective why anyone's reading this book. This book yeah. um, then second, oh, my gosh, you would be so triggered. And this is the only place I can read about it or talk <laughs> about it. So in chapter one, he starts – he uses the – uh, basically the Renaissance as a paradigm for leadership and talks about the Renaissance as this time of, of explode, cultural explosion, uh, you know, exploration, mm -hmm. uh, and related to great leadership. When I think of the Renaissance, I think of a period that was triggered by climate change, uh, because the little ice age ended and suddenly Europe had more food and with more food you get more artists. I think of colonialism. I think of the Hundred Years War. Uh, I think of uh, pursuits of vast wealth, wealth accumulation. And at the same time, I think of the oppression of people. Mm -hmm. And I think this is not the best. And I think the, the artistic achievements of the age were not related to great leadership. They were related to the innovation of the printing press and the relative affluence of a few small groups of people who liked pretty things. Yeah. And, and uh, a lot of them were commenting on the poor leadership. Yes. Through their art. They were. And I mean, you know, like to, to, to me, it's the laziest form of analysis. You take this incredibly superficial view of an incredibly complicated era and say, look how great they did it. And look how poorly we're doing it now in the nineties. Are there like leaders that he <sighs> spotlights? I started place? skimming Sarah. Okay, I was so angry. Well, don't read it. Then. I'm not, I'm not. I texted <laughs> my wife, Tasha, who also has to read it. And I was like, this book is hot trash. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I'm sure it had its place in boardrooms in 1987 or whatever, when he wrote it. Um, but, uh, now, uh, it, it reads horribly. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I don't, there I, you yeah. go. We're not always talking about stuff we like. No. So yes. if you, but my point being, if you're going to read a book on leadership, if you're interested in a book on leadership, First of all, come talk to Sarah. But second of all, read something relatively contemporary. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to incorporate the pandemic um, or even the Trump administration. It would help if it incorporated those things because those changed our culture. Mm -hmm. uh, but it at least needs to incorporate, I don't know, the iPhone and social media as a reality that you have to deal with if you're interested in becoming a leader or trying to work through uh, what's happening in the world around you. So anyway, soapbox over, Sarah. I do not recommend A Failure of Nerve by Edward Freeman. Failure of Nerve. Well, um, the only leadership book I have on my queue mm -hmm. that I plan on yeah. reading, and I, I really need to do it because it's not, not mm -hmm. a daunting mm -hmm. read, but it's called Purpose and Profit, mm -hmm. How Business Can Lift Up the World. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of excited mm -hmm. to read that. Um, and that's by George Seraphim. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Let's read that instead of Edward Friedman. Okay, well, I'll send it yeah. to you. Maybe you'll like that. Okay. And, um, you know, like I've, I've commented before, I loved The Art of Gathering by Priya mm -hmm. Parker. Yeah. Um, not exactly a leadership book, but certainly one that would be applicable to anybody who's trying to really organize or lead anything. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of good stuff out there, which is why I was particularly upset yeah. by having to read this. And I'm not going to finish it. And I'm going to complain to the people who chose it when I see them because they're my close friends and I can say what I want. Well, there you go. Tell them to listen to our podcast. Rant over. I think I've already said that once, so I'm going to stop. All right. Well, let's go back to things we like. Please do. Save me. <laughs> save me with Night of the Living Unless you Res. have a passage. No, no. I think. Like to read from. Uh, no, I think this is great. Okay. 
Um, no, I just kind of wanted to show you the way he sets the scene here um, in the very first mm -hmm. story in Night of the Living Res. Morgan Talty. Morgan Talty. Yes. So um, let me make sure. So this isn't the very first paragraph, but it's kind of close. So at the bridge to the reservation, the river was still frozen, ice shining, white blue under a full moon. The sidewalk on the bridge hadn't been shoveled since the last nor'easter kept snow in November, and I walked in the boot prints everyone made who walked the walk to Overton, over town, to get pot or catch the bus to wherever it was us skeegens had to go, which wasn't anywhere because everything we needed, except pot, was on the res. Well, except Best Buy or Bed Bath & Beyond, but those natives who bought 4K Ultra DVDs or fresh white doilies had cars. Wouldn't be taking the bus like me or Fellas did each day to the methadone clinic. That was another thing the res didn't have, a methadone clinic. But we had sacred grounds where sweats and peyote ceremonies happened once a month. Except since I had chosen to take methadone, I was ineligible to participate in native spiritual practice, according to the doc on the res. Natives naming natives. I thought that really kind of set the mm -hmm. scene mm -hmm. for the rest of um, what happens in in his stories. And so the paragraph before that, he had just gone to try to buy some weed. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't. He was not successful. So mm -hmm. he was walking home um, and sort of giving us a, a snapshot of what yeah, life so, was like on the res. And pretty and pretty straightforward early on with the themes you were talking about mm -hmm. of poverty, addiction. Yeah. Um. It's really funny too. So later on in the story, I mean, and my humor is maybe not right, but later on in the story, he comes across another friend of his whose hair has been frozen to the ground. Uh -huh. And so they have to help him get, and so he's just sort of sitting there waiting for someone to help him. And that's the major kind of conflict in this story. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just a really, mm -hmm. really insightful yep. read. Um, you know, that has dark and sad moments for yep. sure, but also, um, so make the, to. make the case for me, mm -hmm. um, as, so pretend somebody really likes their reading to be light, you know, and okay. airy and in an escape, make a case for a book like night of the living res or, or something like it, which is going to be more challenging and maybe harder to get through. Um, why should somebody pick that up well, if, if, if it's not in their usual Okay. Well, if they always like something really light, it would be a hard. It would be hard for me to do this because mm -hmm. there are definitely some very difficult things that happen mm -hmm. here. Um, um, child death, mm -hmm. um, lots of drug. You know, there yeah. is that stuff. Yeah. But if you said, I usually read something light, but I need to branch out and learn mm -hmm. more about the mm -hmm. world, mm -hmm. I would say, well, this is a great book because there are moments of levity that, mm -hmm. you know, you, you do laugh and you do really connect. Mm -hmm. Since it is short stories, they're, they're smaller. Mm -hmm. And so it's like little doses of, of tragedy yep. Yep. <laughs> that you can... A micro dose. Uh -huh. um, but you also get to really know these characters and so that the characters you meet in the first story you kind of follow throughout and you see how they grow and evolve mm -hmm. or is not. is the story bleak or do bad things happen but in the midst of a fuller life experience um yes i would go with the latter yes. yeah so it's not just like one Only long because death march of it misery. ends in a very sad note yes yeah. 
yeah. that you see in the middle some of this, you know, because like I said, it's not linear. So mm -hmm. in the middle you see um, our narrator mm -hmm. grown and a very, I don't know, well-developed human mm -hmm. part, of, yep. part of the world. You see his mother and mm -hmm. sort of what she's like. And mm -hmm. um, so it's not like all doom and gloom. Like you okay. know that he's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and he is just kind of reflecting on this past that turned mm -hmm. him, that made him who he is. Mm -hmm. um, and this place, you know, it's always the question of where you're from and your environment. Yep. Um, and it's an environment that we've created. Right. So it's, you know, something we should be aware of. It's a named reality yeah. for fiction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I tend to think of things, uh, I try to think of my reading, not always successfully, as the food pyramid. Mm hmm like, you know, you need a balanced diet, mm -hmm. um, I always feel like. And so that keeps me, by and large, from falling into too big of ruts. I mean, I try to read broadly. You know, it helps that to have you around and other sources to push me in certain directions. But, yeah, I think, you know, you don't always want to just eat sugar. Mm -hmm. Like, you, but some sugar is good. I hardly ever eat sugar. Yeah. Like just pure sugar or any sugar. Like you just scoop, sugar. okay. By the way, I may have gotten lost in our metaphor. I know. Yeah. As an aside, I saw the coffee company making their syrups. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a lot of sugar. It's a lot of sugar. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it made me want to try some of their syrups. <laughs> yeah, they're all. I told Kay they're all homemade. Yeah. Like, really? Um. Okay. Well. That's that's what we're reading. That's our passage. Any mm -hmm. last words about M. Living Res before we move on? No, I, I think I'm, it makes me want to read it. So yeah, you, I think you'd like it. Um, I, I thought it might be a fun time to talk a little bit. I was going to use a passage from Twitter today, mm -hmm. um, but there's a whole lot of crazy going on in Oklahoma right now when it comes to banning books. Yep. Have you seen the teacher who just got where the um, they called for her to. Take oh, her license after today. she gave the QR code yes. to yeah, I'm familiar. You might want to tell okay. them, but so I'm me, familiar with this story. Let me get the names right. Give me just a hot second. We can edit this. Tell a joke or something. Um, I don't know any jokes. I have it all pulled up on my computer, but I'm using my computer to record. So uh, a little later, I have to introduce myself at a board, and so I'm going to include the most famous people I've ever seen in public. Oh, who are they? So it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the Denver airport. Uh, Rob Riggle at the restaurant at the Oriad Hotel in Lawrence, the Queen outside of St. Giles in Edinburgh, and then I think the best one is the original actor who played Roman on Days of Our Lives when I was on an airplane when I was seven. No way. Yeah, I have his autograph. No way. I do. That's crazy. I got it when I was a small child. Roman. I spent too much time with my grandmother. So there you go, listeners. The first Roman? The Didn't first Roman. Yeah. Pre-John Black Roman, oh, Sarah. Wow. Pre-John Black. Yes. And then he came back later. Uh, oh, did he come mm -hmm. back? Yeah, he came back. And then Marlena had to choose between John Black, who she had thought was Roman, and oh, the real no. Roman. They let the other guy stay? Yeah, they let him stay. Oh, they yeah. And so, anyway, Stefano was behind all of it. Of course he was. Uh-huh. All right. So Summer Boismeyer. Boismeyer. Mm-hmm. And this is the teacher we're talking about. And on August 23rd, she resigned after a parent complaint that she violated HB 1775, which is um, a new law in Oklahoma, relatively new, that restricts Oklahoma public schools from teaching students that a person, because of their race or sex, is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, either knowingly or unknowingly. 
Okay. <laughs> That's complicated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she put, she covered up all of the books in her classroom and said, the state doesn't want you to read these books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then said, here's a code to the Brooklyn Library because they were offering free memberships yep. for anybody who wants, you know, something mm-hmm. to read. And a parent told on her mm-hmm. and she got suspended. And then she decided she didn't want to go back. So, um, so here we have the newest news is Education Secretary Ryan Walters of Oklahoma is asking to revoke her teaching certificate mm-hmm. for that. So I'm livid. I think it's crazy. Yeah. I do not think that um, our job as public servants in, as in a library, even as a teacher, um, should keep kids from reading things that they want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously... You know, I don't know every single book she has on her shelf, but that's a pretty vague law yes. happening here. Yes. Um, and if you're going to read something by a black writer and feel bad about yourself, that's a, that's a problem you and your parents should discuss. Right. I agree. It you know, <laughs> like the QR code to the Brooklyn Library seems like small potatoes. Absolutely. Um, but this is the world we live in at the moment. Mm, um, it's terrifying. Phil. Which is it is it is disheartening. Um, you know, I I certainly am troubled by mm. this. The thing that I always hang my hat on uh, is at the end of the day, the First Amendment cuts both ways. And so you can ban a book in a school library, you can ban a teacher from telling her students about it, but you can't ban her from standing on the sidewalk and Mm -hmm. talking about the book she wants to read. You and I, on our podcast here, can talk about any book we want to read, and Mm -hmm. we can say anything we want to about it, and that will never change. Uh, And so I try to keep that in context of, like, as irritating as these sorts of things are, um, and the principle of it is really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the sort of thing that in a backward sort of way makes me glad to live in the United States because there is only so far that the government can take the restriction of ideas. I guess so. It's just that this restriction hurts people who can't stand up for themselves. I mean, we're talking about mm-hmm. kids who can't be reflected in their classrooms because they're afraid yeah. other kids might get their feelings hurt. Right. It's I, crazy. Yeah, I, I agree with the problem of it, and I agree with uh, I agree with you yeah. being upset about it. I, you know, I just always try to zoom out on that sort of stuff because <laughs> otherwise you do, you get sucked into this vortex of, like, anger and I suppose. I just feel like it's a vortex that I really need to be a, a part yeah. of. Yeah. Well, and you are. That's what your yeah. shop does. Like, you have your banned bookshelf. I hope so. But <laughs> I, mean, I mean... You know, and kids walk. Kids come here to study and kids walk in and out and through your bookshop mm-hmm. all the time. So, you, I mean, you're doing your part to contribute positively to that conversation with the books that you carry and the availability that you personally have, uh, the work that you do on social media where you do not hide uh, these things mm-hmm. there's and there you're not you're not alone in that there's wow. lots and lots of uh, readers and educators and people out there trying to make sure that these resources are available and accessible to everybody yeah there are there are a lot of great people out there's there a lot of great people. All the hard work and but you know historically this stuff loses it does it, it lasts for a short time and then it loses um, that's what the history of our country tells us uh, with these types of you know book bannings and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, they 
how long was, was Darwin stuff banned? And it's taught at every university and every public school. Well, Phil, don't say that. They won't let their kids go to college. I know. <laughs> anyway, you see, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's progress isn't linear. I get it. It's just, it's, it's, we live it's in calling. a world where kids need to have things that are accessible mm -hmm. now. They mm -hmm. can't wait to get to college to learn these things. Mm -hmm. It's not fair that I had to wait to get to college to understand this whole other world around me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's just, and then I was fortunate to go to college. So yeah. these kids won't be able to. Yeah. So it's not like rocket science that we should give kids who aren't often represented representation mm -hmm. in their public school classroom. Yeah. That's, it's just not that hard and it's mm -hmm. not bad it's not evil she's no. not an evil teacher no she's not an evil teacher she's trying <laughs> to do her job anyway so there's that so that's going on in the world there's yeah. also a, another book that's out that everyone is just dying to get their hands uh -huh. on and i can't get copies of it to save my life because they didn't print enough but it's the jeanette mccurdy book um i'm glad my mom died mm -hmm. do you know who jeanette mccurdy no. is your kids are a little bit younger, but she was on iCarly. Oh, yeah, I know the I know the show. She was Sam on iCarly. Okay. And so this book was not on my radar at all until it came out, and I've had I probably get three calls a week mm -hmm. for people who want this book, but it is out of print, you guys, right now until probably next week or mid September, and then we will have more copies. Why do people want this book? I think she just talks about the crazy stuff her mom did mm -hmm. and um, and the creator, I don't think she ever says his name, of iCarly and sort of like she went through a lot of crazy stuff on that set. He was maybe a little creepy. Maybe a little bit. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, I think it's just a bunch of drama mm -hmm. that's been exposed mm -hmm. perhaps. Um, but I will say if you can't wait a couple of weeks for a hard copy, you can certainly go to LibroFM.com and get the audiobook she reads it herself and it's pretty good um so there are options that we can help you with there um okay i haven't talked about the books coming out yet have I? yeah let's do it oh gosh we're at 26 minutes this is so long. yeah all right that's all right i'll just have a couple we ithaca the book that i talked about a few weeks ago is finally coming out mm -hmm. next tuesday september 6th so i'm excited about that and um, there's a book salido by javier zamora it's a memoir and this is a blurb from Sandra Cisneros, who I love. And she says, A young poet tells the unforgettable story of his harrowing migration from El Salvador to the United States at the age of nine in this moving page-turning memoir hailed as the mythic journey of our era. And I did pass this along to um, a friend of mine to sort of do an advanced copy of to see how yeah. it is. And it's holding up so that'll be out next week as well and then of course we have the new Stephen King fairy tale mm -hmm. that comes out September 6th just in time for spooky season I guess um pumpkin spice lattes are out now so it's officially it's officially Halloween okay. season mm -hmm. Good, I'm ready yeah for it. did you know Sarah I have been to El Salvador have you yes I probably did know but tell me it's an interesting place beautiful yeah. country mm -hmm. that's it yeah okay. I mean you know I got lost so that was exciting. Uh, and I was the best Spanish speaker in the car. Oh, terrifying. So that is terrifying. <laughs> uh, but thank you uh, to Senora Clay, who taught me Spanish in sophomore and junior year of mm -hmm. high school, because oh. I remembered just enough to get us to where we were going. To the bathroom. That's right. Very good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad you made it safe. Ah, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I'd love to go there. I'd like to go to Costa Rica too mm -hmm. someday. Yep. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I've heard. I haven't been there. Yeah. You okay. can go to Costa Rica and go on um, a guided LSD trip. That's cool. Yeah. I know somebody who did that. Nobody who's on this podcast, by the way. Yeah, wasn't me. Yeah, neither of us. Okay, well, I'll have to go to my next place in a book because I'm stuck here for the next few months for sure. <laughs> um, all right, well, I guess that's it for now. Yeah, I feel like we've had a super random podcast we for have. everybody. We've been all over the map today. Leadership books you Leadership books you shouldn't read. <laughs> you know, laws that shouldn't be on the books. Countries Phil has visited. Uh, and our food pyramid book diet good job yeah. way to go well i hope you enjoy it six people yep have a great day week we'll see you next time peace out bye, bye.